0: Neil Doherty? No! <laughs> There's the call drop. <laughs> yeah, that is, yeah. Um... I'll take it. <laughs> Surprise!
1: Surprise.
0: So <laughs> Welcome to Thinking Deeply About Primary Education, the podcast that makes time and space to think about pedagogy, teaching and learning, professional development, anything of interest to time poor but enthusiasm-rich primary teachers. This week I'm joined by Atul Rana. Hello. Neil Almond. Good to be here. Shannon Doherty. Hello. And Johnny Hall. Hello, how are you doing? And this week we're going to recreate a panel from MathsConf30, Thinking Deeply About Mathematics Education, and in particular the use of manipulatives in the mathematics classroom from age zero, age 16 and beyond. And so my first question goes to you, Shannon. Manipulatives are expensive, often cumbersome and require a significant amount of professional development time. Are they worth it?
1: Yes, which was my answer on Saturday (laughs) at the panel. Just yes yeah i think i I'm yet to see uh, a, a concept where I haven't um used manipulatives and it's been more successful than if i had um you know if we think back to my sort of n q t year where they weren't really being used the the quality of my lessons was a lot lower I was a new teacher, so there was that element element to it as well but you know, I wasn't being, I wasn't able to get them to behave mathematically like we did in Johnny's session at Uh You know, they weren't making generalisations. They weren't seeing the structures of maths. Um, and I think we need to we need to be using them regardless of their expense or if it's a bit of a pain having to get them out of whatever cupboard they're gathering dust in.
2: I think I chipped in as well with like, um, like expensive medical equipment. That's, that's really expensive and it's cumbersome and stuff, but like you wouldn't recommend not using that because that can save lives. And that was quite a dramatic statement to make, I think. But I thought like well, to make the point that if you do become mathematically literate, then that will actually change your life for the better. You'll be able to do what you want in the world rather than just being sort of a, a slave to some, some sort of machine. You can actually be proactive and do whatever you want in the world. And they require effort, like anything that anything that's worthwhile probably requires effort to learn and, and use well. And I'm sure we'll come on to that later as we we talk about the learning curve of manipulatives and things like that. But in a nutshell, um, yes, they're definitely not a waste of time.
3: As a As an observer in that, I really in, like that metaphor, Johnny, and it's definitely one that I will put in the back pocket if ever a mm-hmm. head teacher asks, why should we spend X amount of money <laughs> on a certain manipulative because of those reasons. As Shannon said, you know, it's difficult to get them to behave mathematically. I, my experience of them was just, it's really difficult to get kids to actually just behave <laughs> when, you <have> mani- <laughs> when you have the manipulatives out. So, but yeah, definitely, definitely worth it. And definitely worth um, yeah, investing that time in understanding how they work best.
4: And for me, it was a more <laughs> pragmatic practical point there are some manipulatives that aren't very expensive at all. The paper is a manipulative. You can use that yeah. to demonstrate a whole bunch of stuff. So if you really do want to get started and budget is an issue, uh, you can, you know, you can use paper as quite a sophisticated, manipulative mm. as well.
2: I know you're a big fan of the subitizing as well, aren't you? At all with the old playing cards, dominoes and things like that. Everyone has them lying around and they don't cost, don't cost much at all. Subitizing, subitizing. pick, pick, pick your side of the fence. With Jack Hartman. Mm.
3: <laughs> didn't we have a long... Uh, didn't we almost dedicate an entire episode to uh, subvertising or subvertising <laughs> at one point?
1: I just came
3: out with
2: uh, uh, I reckon the Yorkshire in me just wants to say subvertising because we, we tend to, like, make things as easy as possible to say. Subvertising just requires that little bit too much effort, even if it is correct. <laughs>
0: mm. I mean... I totally agree with where you guys are coming from. I think what did I follow up with? How do we develop our use of manipulatives, and how do we convince head teachers to invest in our resources?
1: I think you just have to to show them the manipulatives in action, don't you? That you know the proof is in the pudding, and they need to see that see it to believe it. I guess whether that is going to a maths comp whether it's going to uh, another cpd whether it's just them seeing them in a lesson and taking that punt and buying me some but Mm. uh, unless you've got a particularly proactive head then you probably do need to just say just come in and and just watch me in action with them and Mm. hopefully you'll see the way it does unlock the maths for the kids
2: i do think yeah i do think there's some massive almost like quick wins for manipulatives like the two color counters with directed number. When I first stumbled across that, that just blew my mind on like, how easy it is to teach the whole of directed number without saying two negatives make a positive and muttering that immortal phrase. And once you've said that phrase, that's it, you've lost kids, mm-hmm. that's it. Two negatives make a positive regardless of what context they're using. But you can teach the whole of addition and subtraction of directed numbers. And it's really powerful. And yeah, so maybe, maybe if they saw something like that, um, one of one of the really super sort of like obvious super duper uses of manipulatives that might convince them a little bit. I don't know, though. but they're really cheap as well too. Accounts to be fair, so it's all about quid for about two two thousand of or something in it. So it's it's not that it's not that bad. So when you start asking for like a grand for ten ten or twenty boxes of cues and air or something like that, that's when uh, that's when it gets trickier, I guess. We um, PTA did some. Fundraising for us. We
3: got about just, I think, just under a grand, I think it was. So I just, you know, thought, oh, how many Queen's and Air rods can I actually get? How many sets of Queen's Air rods from mm. like the Queen's and Air Company? The official to, ones, know, yeah. The, mm. they're the official ones, not the um, dodgy ones you can get from some other resource sites. I oh, have
1: yeah, lots of dodgy ones.
3: It wasn't a lot. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no. I was
3: like, I don't think we probably can yet. Yeah. Um, But as Johnny said, I think it's just making, I think one thing that every head teacher certainly in primary understands is that time and the curriculum Mm -hmm. in the math curriculum necessarily, you know, there's that. uh, They do go against each other slightly, Um, but showing how well repeated addition with an area model and showing how multiplication is an area model and how then, you know, um, when you get to multiplying, uh, decimals as well, area model, and you just be like, if we invest in all of this stuff, like we will create more time to work on the more interesting stuff that's going to raise you those SATs scores because that's actually what it can come down to. But you need to invest, you know, time and money initially and front load that to to kind of get it. But it's a long term investment, and I kind of feel that on the whole, schools aren't schools aren't great at long-term thinking they want uh,
2: well no especially you when you're talking about the area model that is like the, the longest term investment you get because i'm still using that when i'm dealing with 15 and 16 year olds come their gcse time we're still doing the area model um, if you set those foundations in primary like a little investment in dean's blocks introducing the concrete area model it'll last them 16 years like yeah. until until they're ready to do the gcse's yeah. that's even beyond you can do
4: calculus with area optimization and volume beyond, it's such a beautiful, elegant model, the area model. Uh, I don't
2: have the, uh, I don't have the luxury of teaching A-level maths, but like, I do wonder how, how, how many opportunities there are for manipulatives in, in A-level maths as well. Well, it's probability and dice throwing and all of that stuff. I've
4: used them with third year engineering undergraduates and things i used um, to show, yeah, it's just like, sometimes you need to show a thing, like if it is, My example is heat transfer differential equations, but if you're doing heat transfer through two or three layers of things, just get the actual thing out. It's what Mark McCord also talks about. He brings them out with with undergraduates because it's tactile, and that's one of the reasons we use manipulatives is it's hands-on tactile. It makes sense. um,
2: So basically, you're saying whatever level of math you're at, there's probably some sort of physical object, some manipulative that you can utilize to try and make sense of it. The concept. I remember
0: Johnny, you made a really good
2: point about how to develop or how to approach our CPD. Did I? <laughs> Kickstart my memory, Kieran, because I can <laughs> It's been a long day <laughs> at school. Was it was it about being deliberate and your decision making? Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. So like you you uh, like pick a manipulative and pick a topic. And if you're gonna do a CPD session on that, if you're gonna do prime factor tiles for example, if that's going to be a manipulative choice, and then, then really drill down on a couple of topics that you want to, to do with that. So, for example, uh, like the prime factorization, fundamental theorem of arithmetic, drill down into that and then show how it can be used to th- look at things like highest common factor, lowest common multiple, and things like that, and show a real use for the manipulative and drill down on one particular topic and get that nailed sort of thing so that everyone knows when this topic's coming up, I've had this CPD for this particular topic. Let's let's give it a shot. Uh, rather than maybe a more general okay, here's a bunch of cues and air rods. Let's let's maybe just do like a will, it's like a whistle stop of, of loads of different things. I think if you're doing it with the department, um, yeah, really drill down. I know at MathsConf, because I only have 50 minutes and I'm talking to whole rooms and they're not my department. I'll kind of take maybe like the best bits of little things to do like a showcase if you like. And Maybe you'd want to do that for your first couple of sessions or your first session, just to say just to get people enthused. And and that's that's kind of like my aim when I do these mass con I want people leaving thinking, oh, that was cool. Um, I want to try and do this in the department. But when it comes to the nitty-gritty, you need to have a bit more of a structured plan. Okay, we're going to do this specific topic because this is coming up on the schema work and this ministry would it lend itself really well for this particular topic.
0: Yeah, I think I think you're totally right. I think being that specific about what you want to get better at and then you'll see those incremental improvements over mm-hmm. a long period of time so yeah totally with you I mean Atal, if I can throw the next question to you what should teachers be wary of when using manipulatives
4: yeah so Johnny covered uh, a, a bit of that with saying like you need to um know what that manipulative is trying to convey and what you're trying to what the idea is and get good at it. Uh, as mathematicians and math teachers, we tend to so going back to the point of using manipulatives. we tend to be already very fluent in working in the abstract. So to give an example of working with uh, negatives and positives, we already know what those means. And we know what it means to add and subtract. So to kind of think it from a novices point of view, uh, can be quite difficult. So, it's to kind of just put yourself in the novices shoes and um, so let's say we are working with positives and negatives uh, and that's, there's a great series of videos by Bernie Westercott on this and Craig Barton's podcast, uh, I reckon that is just excellent uh, CPD just for using counters for positives and negatives and adding and subtracting etc. Uh, is to actually see what, how the manipulative conveys the meaning, what a zero pair is uh, and spend due diligence getting working with your colleagues first actually just putting yourself in the shoes of um, your students by pretending to not be a novice and then kind of reverse engineer it uh, and then 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 try then like once you've got a plan as johnny says then try it with your students and when you're learning how to use manipulatives to teach it's it's not going to go to plan like people, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. um, as behavior, behaving mathematically as uh, could be behaving, uh, manipulators, it might be all over the place. So it is also that as well. So you learn from what happened and what didn't happen and then take it to the next. um, And, and ask, ask the colleagues who are more experienced uh, manipulatives, we have a whole community here. Um, So yeah, before investing in manipulators are uh, training 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 is what i'd say yeah.
2: when you use a manipulative it's not just used to get to the answer to a question and cues and air rods for example it's dead easy to do say 17 plus 16 get a number track get a 10 and a 7 rod a 10 and a six rod stick them all in the number track read off the answer boom i and do addition well, that's, that's, not getting you any good, that's not getting you any better at addition. It's not understanding the structure of how addition works when we're looking at the units and the tens. It's much better like I do with my little four-year-old. Make the, make the 17, make the 16. Oh, we've got a 10 and a 7, a 10 and a 6. I can bring the two tens together to make 20. What can I do with the 7 and the 6? Well, if I put them together, that's the length of a 10 and a 3 rod. So now I've got three tens and I've got three left over. I've got, I've got 33 and that's showing the structure of, of the maths. Um, so that's my key thing. Yeah, don't use manipulatives as just a, a tool to get the answer, actually use them to, 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 want to show the underlying structure. And the second thing relates to what Attil says. Yeah, um, don't expect your first couple of lessons to be the best you've ever done. It, it does take a while. And going back to Attil's point, yeah, practice with your department first. Hopefully you've got these CPD sessions. Hopefully, you've got some expert in your department who can actually get you started on these and practice on each other. Literally, just have little mini lessons where you're actually trying to explain a concept either under a visualizer or or whatever, using virtual ones. I'm sure we'll get onto those later as well. And then, yeah, practice with your department and then take it take it live into the classroom. Just
1: I'll echo what um, Johnny and Attle said about knowing your manipulative and knowing the the kind of the maths that it lends itself to because i think for a while in primary though it was a bit fashionable to have all the manipulatives out on the table and there were trays with you know different sections on and the schools <laughs> were very proud of them but there was never a real purpose to them it was sort of like okay really? now with, with the manipulatives
2: so you had them all out at the same time yeah it oh, was wow. real common practice but it's like
1: it was the done thing, and it was like the impressive thing if you had a tray with different compartments in it.
3: And the children just
1: schools spent a lot of money on, and magi- children just they just chose them.
3: Yeah, they'd magically choose the right manipulative for the right job, and then you know jobs are good, and yeah. yeah. Ooh, right. that long ago it wasn't that long ago no it
1: probably and it's still probably common practice in lots of places because they haven't had the training and the investment in mm. understanding how to use them
3: but there never was any training was there? i'm thinking like when mastery is kind of it's mm. kind of used casually now when those first sort of quote-unquote programs started rolling out and they talked about manipulatives you know, there was never any training that actually told you which manipulative Mm. to use it's just like yeah these there's these things called manipulatives they're really cool just
1: i had
2: go and use them use them and you'll get better
1: i had training from the london southeast Maths hub with a man called declan and he just just blew my mind with with how he used them and how specific he was about them rather than having them all out and saying kind of go 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 for it yeah go mild um which is why I sort of have that opinion of being really specific and really intentional with what you're using mm. and why you're using it and not just using them for the sake of having them out or thinking it's going to tick a box in a, in a maths observation or something or a book look. And I think leaders, maths leaders and school leaders have to have that sort of, that conversation of that progression of what, what manipulatives are used where mm. and, and why and how and for what concepts and which lend themselves to you know, addition best, which lend themselves to fractions. What are our alternatives if something really isn't clicking for a child? And all of that should be yeah. laid out in a curriculum as far as I'm concerned, rather than leaving teachers to just find their feet with it, because they inevitably won't.
3: But the only thing I want to say is just, I think Johnny hit the nail on the head, where it's, and it's something that you've talked about as well, Kieran. It's about using the manipulative not as a calculator, but mm-hmm. as a, uh, as I say, a tool to identify the underlying structures, but of yeah, course, yeah, that. yeah but, even like, but then that kind of goes to show that perhaps a curse of knowledge between us on this group is that actually, you need to know the underlying structures of the problems that you're trying to then work out. And I imagine if you asked, you know, some primary school teachers, maybe some secondary teachers, I don't know, um, you know, what are the underlying structures of this problem? You know, they might look at you blankly and say, mm. Mm, I don't know what you mean by that.
1: I remember doing a, a, a staff training on the bar, the bar module and um, a couple of teachers going, I just, don't, I just don't like it, I don't get it. It doesn't give me the solution. It doesn't actually help find the answer. Like, well, it's not, it's not meant to calculate for you. It's meant to show you the structures so that our children can understand the maths they're doing. But it took a long time to to show them the structures that there were. So, uh, yeah, I think we just need a hell of a lot more professional development.
3: Only there, was,
1: only there was a thing. If only there
3: was a thing out there.
2: Well, we do have a CPD college <laughs> at Complete Mass, which you might want to check out with all, with all these courses. <laughs> Shameless plug. It's almost like you set that plug up for me, though. But, yeah. But, um, no, we do, yeah, I'm busy, and Kieran as well is helping me out as well, recording a load of courses in the CPD college for all the manipulatives and me and Kieran have got a top secret project underway, which we're not going to tell you yet. Can you tell
3: us when we stop
1: recording? But it's,
2: it's going to be a joint course between me and Kieran involving manipulatives. So um, more info when, we, when me and Kieran have fleshed out the actual contents of the course. But, it's, but it promises to be a good one. So, so awesome. yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean... It could take a while because whenever I sent Johnny some videos, he said, "What do you want me to do with this?"
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> can't
0: work with this. I mean, the next one's perfect for you, Johnny. You know, obviously, you've got the the wonderful MattSpark dot which mm-hmm. um, so many of us use uh, as much as possible. Do manipulatives need to be physical, or will virtual
2: alternatives work just as well? It depends, and it, it's. Sometimes they will work just as well. Sometimes they will work better. And sometimes they just will will not be as good. For example, anything involving three dimensions, like volumes and things like that, uh, using the cues and air rods in real life are probably going to be better for that. Plans and, plans and elevations, for example, actually building those out of Milton Link cubes is always going to be better than, than a... A virtual version of, well, essentially, a virtual version is going to be a 2D representation of, of a 3D model, which is, there's that extra layer for students to grasp. So there's, there's a, it's, 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 it's not clear cut. There's, there's, there's use cases for both of them. I mean, the main sort of virtu- virtual use cases, um, and I know you've touched on it before, Kieran, like this accuracy that you get with the virtual ones, like the fact that you can just bang up an area model pixel perfect in a couple of seconds. Compared to maybe fiddling around with the with the dean's blocks under a visualizer and trying to get twelve little yellow units into a into a nice rectangle might take you thirty seconds or so you can do it in three seconds on a on a virtual site so it's it's trade offs um and i and I will mention that paper that you showed me as well which which surprised me because i I've, I've never seen it before um There was a paper that Kieran shared i'm sure you you can dig the name out which basically said that in some instances putting the physical, physical manipulative behind a like, sort of pane of glass helped the students grasp the concept better than if they could actually touch the object. And it's something to do with the salience of the object, I think, Kieran, you can probably put a bit more flesh onto that. But that surprised me, in that like not letting children touch the object actually actually gave them a better grasp of the, the concept, which I'd never read anything like that before, so um, I found that really interesting. But in a nutshell, there's pros and cons to both. Um, and it's just pick whatever's the most suitable in, in, in the classroom at the time.
0: The, the talk I've just recently been doing talks about the salience of resources making transfer more difficult and so if something's really, you know, really real it may make it a little bit more difficult to sort of put that in the, in the abstract. The paper Johnny had was pretty central to that and there's also another one where they took a tiny Snoopy and put him in a doll's house and showed the the children the the study where these um where snoopy was then they put a teddy bear version in a real house in the exact same place that he was in the doll's house because snoopy was too real they couldn't transfer from doll's house to to lot to real house you know so i think um, there's a lot to it and also i think with things like circles you know we spend a lot of time arguing about how many sides a circle has but if you look at the definition you know it's they where all the points are equidistant from the midpoint well, there's no easier way to make a circle from its midpoint than by making a virtual version of it. You know, I don't think I could recreate it in real real life, and um, you know, yeah. as mathematically accurately as that.
2: Yeah, you're spot on there. I think. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, I mean, I work. Work. I work for those who don't. I work completely online, you in, in a virtual realm, anyway. Uh, and so for me, virtual manipulatives are are a little new to the game. So we're still finding out how they work and how they don't. Um, for me it's been a few years of experimenting with them and there's, there's a few so going back to the point of manipulatives it depends on what you want them to convey so if you want them to convey volumes then a virtual manipulative on a 2d canvas is not going to be as good as a real one hands-on a 3d one but a lot of stuff is two-dimensional so the area model is two-dimensional uh, you can use uh, two sided counters as two-dimensional i mean a lot of my Ts don't have to uh, first thing I ask parents is, do you have a set of connect fours? Cause hmm. connect fours basically are red and yellow. So they do they're not even two sided, oh, yeah, but you can, can use the red it. and yellows. You can still make zero pairs with them. You can just use them as well. Um, so there's just a few examples of things you can do very really well with virtual manipulatives. Are, um, you can make copies. So if you have um, just, um, if you have a X tile or and a two one tile, so that's X plus two and if you want to group them together so which is the associative property you call it x plus two and then we can do that on your site johnny for example so you, you draw a box around it and i tell my students that's the process of grouping them together so we can put parentheses or bracket around these and then to make multiple copies you just click the copy button and you can make as many as quickly as you want and then that has a meaning say three copies below each other mm. uh, and when i get them to factorize i find that Actually, the physical ones are better because they need to kind of jumble them around until they, I call it rectangularize something. To yeah, it is.
2: Yeah, it is when you factorize. And yeah, you, sometimes it's sometimes a bit of trial and error before they get that rectangle as well. Before you can yeah, get it's harder on the, the method to do it. it. With yeah. the real one, you can just like push
4: and shove them around until they become mm. rectangles. So it's the same same manipulative, it just works differently. Virtually. With
2: all of these, yeah, with all of these, you're talking two dimensional models, aren't you? Like, I sometimes wonder, like, Dean's blocks are obviously three dimensions. And I'm assuming like the main use of the three-dimensionalness of them is like when you get to the thousand cube to sh- to show that thousand cube but like I I very rarely use the thousand cube I mean I'm not a primary teacher I'm guessing you 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 bust it out quite a lot in primary to show what the thousand looks like but like kids generally when we get to secondary that, that idea of place value is pretty concrete in their mind so I don't need to get a thousand cube out to show them what a thousand is so all of the work we do is normally just on the 2D area model, we use the the one, the x, and the x squared tile, which would correlate with the the unit, the 10, and the and the hundred tile in Dean's blocks. So, if you gave me a set of Dean's tiles rather than actual Dean's blocks, just flat Dean's blocks, I'd probably get a lot of the utility out of them without ever having to use the the extra dimension that they have. Which is why I guess they're kind of useful in the virtual world. I always show that relationship between like your 12 times 13 and your x plus two times your x plus three i always think that's a massive sort of revelation because you're sure loads of secondary teachers that and like they've never made that link that actually 12 times 13 is exactly the same as expanding a pair of binomials it's sort of like one of those things that's so obvious once you've seen it that you never ever forget it Uh, but unless you've never been shown it you might never ever make that link
4: making copies very quickly. You can show exponentiation very quickly. So you have take two two counters, copy, four, select all four, make eight, select all eight, and then that sort of thing you can do very quickly.
2: So um, oh, yeah, my Dean's blocks go up to the ninth dimension, I think, on, on that spot, if, if you really want to. If you want to go down to base two, and then you can go to like two to the ninth power, which is, which is nice to show how binary works. And you can make them negative as well. In fact, what um, a guy called Alex in Australia that we always we always uh, chat on one of the uh, sort of socials that we do. He does lots of high level math, and he said, "Oh, could you make imaginary Dean's blocks as well?" So we're talking like complex numbers and things like that. So <laughs> if you ever multiply by i on math spot, you can actually make the Dean's blocks turn imaginary as well, which I don't think you'll ever use in primary uh, Neil and Shannon, but you, but you never know. <laughs> you might have a high flyer one, one day. <laughs> We're going to need to release a glossary with this episode. (laughs) (laughs) It's
4: so true. Virtual going into imaginary. I like it.
0: Yeah, I hear
3: what you're saying about the, I don't think, I think the first thing I ever do with MassBot when I go to Dean's is turn like the 3D bit off.
2: Same here. I feel (laughs) as though that default should be um, 2D.
3: Which is no um, disrespect to what you do. And the thousand block is so big that in primary, you just like show it like, this is what it looks like. If you don't believe me, like, and you can just kind of give it to them and say, "Well, you can spend your break time counting it <laughs> um, if you don't believe me," um, and you'll be here a while.
1: You also don't get many thousands
3: you in, in a pack. No, you don't.
2: so you
1: can't do an awful lot with them. There's, I think I was trying to I was trying to divvy up the resources during the first lockdown in my school, and I think I ended up with every Key Stage Two class having like three thousands. Mm. So I just I just put them in one box.
2: Yeah, and I think that's all you need. Yeah, As a secondary teacher, the best use I've found for my thousand block is a little stand for your visualizer to get <laughs> it a, li- a little bit <laughs> higher from your whiteboard so you get a nice. bit more sort of surface area. That's exactly what I do as well,
0: online. There's digital camera's on mine.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> what well, I will say they are really
3: useful for um, if you've left like enough gap between when you've used them for kind of mm. uh, integers is when you kind of flip that perspective. So your little one... Is actually going to be Thousands. a thousandth. Your mm. 10 is what well, your your green rod is actually uh a hundredth. a hundredth. And then the hundred square is actually a tenth. And then you're like, well, actually, this is just like one one cube. Um that kind of has been helpful. Mm. Um, but in terms of the 3D-ness, that's really the only kind of benefit that you get, and that's just you know. A couple of lessons worth until they get that, and then yeah, they go on. Yeah, um, yeah I think what I would say virtual mentors. I think they can be more powerful. Um, exchanging unitization is something that I think any uh, primary school teacher will tell you. You, know, you do as much. Here's ten. You swipe them away, and then magically here comes like a, a ten, uh, and then it's like, well, hang on, but but they were over there, and now like what's going on? The fact that you can just say, um, yeah. draw that. Um, group them together on MassBot and then click the exchange and it's just like um, how do
2: you feel about the yellows from becoming green though or the green becoming yellows when you do that because i had that comment like should they all be the same color maybe and i i don't know i kind of like that that there's four different colors for them
1: i like the colors yeah i don't
3: think the color has ever been an issue
1: And, and i mean a lot of schools have those colors don't they
0: yeah they're pretty common
1: we just have all purple do you? But, yeah. mm.
0: the, the colors are consistent across bases, aren't they? Yeah, so I think it makes that easier to make the connection. Mm. Hmm. I
2: remember once I spent like a couple of hours going on every manipulative that, that is on Mass Bottom and standardizing the colors. So yes. anything that's a one or a unit is yellow, and then it's mm-hmm. green for any 10 or X that you'll see ever, and it's blue for any X squared or 100 that you'll see, and then red for any thousands. So, Yeah, um, that does seem to be almost like a standard colour. It would be if we had an international consensus on on these colours for the different powers, but um, I've done my bit anyway.
4: (laughs) Talking about colours and the virtual manipulatives, um, one thing I really like is on a virtual one, the zero pairs actually literally do just disappear completely when you merge them and it's just, a lie, yeah. they don't. It's a lie, yeah. <laughs> I did say that, didn't I? They actually
2: fly off nine thousand pixels to the left or something like that. <laughs> In later manipulatives though, um like I think um on other things which disappear. I'm not sure if it's the algebra tiles or the two color counters or one of them they actually disappear, because I'd learned how to code that by then. On the other ones, they just disappear 9,000 <laughs> pixels to the it's left. <laughs> regardless. Uh, slightly off base when it comes to
3: colours. I, I, I'm annoyed that they decided red and yellow for two colour counters <laughs> like in my head I would much rather like red and blue because then like red is positive blue is a more kind of negative colour because you associate mm-hmm. it with coldness and I think get
1: red and blue so I
3: don't know if you yeah. can change you the colour can you yeah. yeah I don't know you can like, change like, the colour
2: on mass spot to whatever you there want we go. yeah because <laughs> uh, I have yeah because quite often people buy the blue and green is quite a common combo which oh, is it? strikes me as mad, uh, mad because isn't that quite a colourblind sort of combo which people struggle yeah. with? yeah uh, well but you can choose them to whatever you want. So the default's red and yellow, but you can have whatever you want.
3: Yeah, I find it interesting. when that the default when you normally buy them, you normally see them as red, mm. yellow, and yellow. There must be a reason mm. for it. But I kind of for that me- other metaphor of like you associate hotness mm. with you know positive and therefore rising and
0: blue
4: mm-hmm.
3: negative. Like it,
0: on, and on the tutor forms, it was one of the first examples of use these two colors together because then most people will be able to distinguish between them. You know, whereas like you say, green and blue, and if you've got any sort of color blindness, you're really going to struggle.
2: Mm-hmm. To I just like the consistency that, like, yeah, you've got this yellow and red, positive one, negative one, and then when you go to the algebra tiles, the yellow is still the still the unit, and you've got that consistency going through. When you go to the place value counters, yeah. you got the the wow. yellow one as well. It just makes it just it just sits nicely with me this this color scheme because. Uh, yeah, I have had, I know in, in other books you'll see that like the, the, the unit is red, I think. Really? Yeah, so, so well how does that work when you try doing two colour counts? And you basically just bring it in, it's two different topics with two different manipulatives, but like, I quite like the idea of of linking the two together so they all make sense together, rather than, okay, we're using red and yellows for directed number, yeah. now we're doing place value and the red is the unit. Then okay, okay, might confuse kids, I don't know, I mean... I, I don't teach primary, so I don't know if that would cause an issue. But it it just sits nicely with me. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. what
4: about partitioning with ten frames? Because I've seen red and yellow is used quite commonly for that as well.
2: Yeah, yeah. The default color in a ten frame seems to be red, counters, I think. Red and yellow, right? Yeah, and then they mean
4: something else. We need working with director number, as, as long as it's clear. And that,
0: that feeds really well into the next question, um, because we we were thinking about which manipulative representation has the greatest versatility across school fields? And so if you've got something like a a 10 frame or a 5 frame with those counters, you know, I can see uses right the way across school. I mean, I'll start with you, Neil. Which representation is it for you?
3: Um, for me, always, say, I say, my
0: talk at MathCon was all about
3: the area model and how it is you know, one of the most useful for reasons we've already explained. And uh, in his, when his math chat live, I forget his name, so apologies at all, and demonstrated how it really was just, you know, it's the same model from multiplying two digit numbers to decimals to doing something with some binomials
4: yeah two binomials yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: one of, with some of those whatever they <laughs> may be um, binomials. those binomials yeah um <laughs> which is right know, I know what to do with them but I don't know what they are <laughs> 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 I know I can make it into a rectangle but what am I doing I do yeah um so yeah for me and I think as I said the talk that I kind of the a big part of that talk was actually thinking about the manipulative that demonstrates the representation and I think for me, Cuisinair rods in combination to c- kind of create the area model kind of, I think for me has the most flexibility.
2: I would agree entirely with you with the area model for, for the best representation. Dean's blocks going to algebra tiles in secondary. You've got a coherent journey of sort of like 10, 10 or so years. And it's just, and I've, I've already mentioned the, the, the expanding binomials in the 12 times 13 than all the factors work you can do with dean's blocks then you can do all the factorizing with algebra tiles so that representation for me is probably the most useful and I know like sometimes we talk about like fewer but but better um, representations uh, fewer but more powerful representations that dean's block to algebra tiles transition I don't know anything better than that uh, but in terms of versat- versatility and um, fun am i allowed, am allowed. I allowed to say fun I don't know cues and air rods for me are on a perfect completely selfish point of view they are my favorite minute because i think they they give the most opportunity to do what i'm sort of like passionate about and that's behaving mathematically giving out loads of tasks with like low floor high ceilings and just seeing where we can run with the tasks a bit like i did on, on my session there's just so much you can do with them there's, there's there's very few mathematical topics that you can't cover in some sort of way with the cues and error i went all the way up to a level maths at the masscon session but i started the task at literally how can you make four by adding numbers together and we ended up at pascal's triangle and binomial expansion Um that versatility is like i don't think you can be that with any other manipulative so cues an air for me for that one
1: yeah if i if i already weren't a fan of uh the rods i think after your session johnny i would have been a convert because it was a brilliant session that just showed off the power of them, and I, I had to be really boring, just like I was on Saturday. I'm sorry, I'm agreeing. It's quizznerods to me. The versatility, the way you can use them across the board, is second to none. <laughs>
4: yeah, I answered this one first on Saturday, and it was again quizzner for me as well. Um, clean, sweet, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, and I mean, when I start with two T's, I almost insist that they get a physical set all of them whether high attaining or low attaining primary or mm. secondary unless they're doing a level uh, almost almost all of them get quiznaires and with quiznaires just to give my own story i mean um when i first trained with them it was at a dyscalculia course uh, and i only learned how to use them for things like number bonds literally just number bonds uh, and for about Two years of using quiz and odds, i just used them for number bond stuff uh, and then i started discovering the lasalle training so if no one had told me you can use them for anything else i would thought use quiz and air to help teach number bonds um, but then when i started so training with uh going to these mass comps and mark codes courses on quiz and odds, my mind was blown with all the all the things you can do with it you know fractions, the multiples common multipliers, uh, highest common factor, all the number stuff, you can even use them as quadratic factorizing, uh, Mm. as a replacement for algebra tiles, there's so much you can do with them. Um, So it's like, yeah, my go-to manipulative, you can use for a very, very long time. If I even, during lockdown, um, I was just tweeting away from the Cuisinare company, because my duty is to play with them. And to go back to the a is one of the unusual manipulatives which you can just free play with them in the beginning uh, mm. and see what you come up with uh, and then of course you need the deliberately designed to reveal structure and order and then you do need a trained teacher to use them so but the rods are one of those with free play fun and sort of structured learning yeah
2: i do think like if i know like like when you have a kid or something sometimes like you'll get like free books given to you or something like that you'll you'll go and see like the the sort of development nurse, and they'll give you a little thing of like, okay, free, free books to read. Imagine if every kid just had a little set, probably not like one-year-old because they'll probably swallow them, but if, <laughs> as soon as they're the, at their the age where they're not going to eat the units, like if every kid just got given a set of Cues and Air rods. like my little lad who's like, he's four now, he's been playing with Cues and Air since he was about sort of like two and a half, since it was safe really for him. And he's just been literally playing with it, making dinosaurs out of him, all sorts of stuff. And then all of a sudden this math starts happening and, like, he had a show and tell at his reception school the other week. And, like, <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure many kids took cues and air rods in, but <laughs> my, lad, my lad did. He take, he basically took, do you know that staircase problem, one to ten and then back down to one? Yeah. He took exactly enough rods to make that staircase up and down. And then he said, look, Miss, look, Miss Thompson, an up and down staircase, you can always turn it into a square number. So, <laughs> I mean... Good good luck with Emmett in primary school. <laughs> I was going to
3: say, we've joked about it before, haven't we, Johnny? But yeah. your reception, your
2: son's reception. Yeah, but he'll, he'll have fun. But like, on a related note, though, because I remember said I told you the story, Like I had a real high top set of Year 11s a few years ago, and I had a couple of the loveliest girls in like from it- it- Italy they were from. And like I just took out the cues and air rods to do some sort of proof, I think, during this Year 11 lesson, and their faces just lit up. And they started, like, chattering in Italian to each other. I'm like, what's up, girls? What's going on? And they said, oh, we had these rods when we were in primary school in Italy. Mm. And, like, they just remembered them just like that. So it just goes to show how powerful they are. And it would be lovely if if every kid in the country had the opportunity just to play with them and set those good foundations uh, with maths. Do wish they were cheaper yeah, that's
1: the only, <laughs> if only they were cheaper yeah. someone yeah. out there that's make insane. them cheaper
3: for me there was another comp- a company out there that sells some manipulatives and can find a way to make some that are mm-hmm. cheaper the best ones I ever saw I don't know what the company was but they were weighted so you know how like Numicon is weighted
2: mm-hmm. but the
3: the Cuisinair rods were weighted as well so if you had a, a 10 rod or the orange rod you could put in two yellows and you could see that they were they would balance um, as well so they were quite decent. nice little additional feature that obviously the didn't have the nice feel of like the original wood ones but it was a nice little uh mm. little feature i can't imagine they're cheaper to be honest if you're looking, oh at- no they no, they won't be cheap yeah, no, I, I can't haven't. imagine they would be cheaper either um i mean i don't know i mean you look at these things and you're just like oh, it's just a bit of like you know cut a bit of wood and paint it orange and <laughs> <laughs> yeah I
1: mean, yeah that's what it is maybe we'll start making them
2: maybe we will yeah, <laughs> or cues and air rods safe for one year old as well. I'm sure we've discussed that, haven't we, before? Like ones that they can't swallow the units for. So, like yeah, two, two inch cube units.
1: I've yeah. had big ones
2: yeah. before. I had a duty who said, but the orange rod, I have to get the orange rod out of the dog's
4: mouth. Oh <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> no the
1: I think there's uh... the a yeah, play, can you blame the
3: dog? I, I do like it whenever I go to a uh the reception class that outdoor area just has um like different manipulatives that have just been like increased by the factor of like I don't know 10 or 20 whatever it is so there's actually are you Mm. know they can stand in a 10 frame or there are double-sided counters that are you know the size (laughs) of a small yeah I feel that's quite a nice thing so you just have it out in the area they can explore those things and you don't have to worry about them swallowing a little you know Mm. counter or anything like that
2: (laughs) I'd love to come and do maths in a primary school. I've been saying it for years. You're more than Feel welcome.
3: <laughs> Next time, yeah. Next time you are down, we How will have you.
0: you. All right, okay. My hold you to that. Just like on Saturday, it's time has absolutely flown. You know, I mean, this is fascinating. Mm-hmm. They're going to go on for much, much longer. But I think we've given everyone enough to think about. I think tons of fantastic advice, and hopefully, it triggers people to think: How can I get the most from the manipulatives I use? Or to start using them if they don't currently, you know. So all I say to do is say thank you very much. Thank you, Atoll.
4: Thanks for having me on.
0: Thank you, Neil. Thank you. Thank you, Shannon. Thank you. Thank you, Johnny. Thank you very much. And everyone at home, until next time, thanks for listening. Together, oh, God. Go. that's perfect. <laughs> I'm going to cut that and put it after the theme sheen. <laughs> <laughs>